Short-term high volatility investments is back with another quick and dirty hitter. We dive right into three plays for the weekend, two in the MLB, one in the NBA. Enjoy the show, guys. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Not quite summer, but barely spring. This is short-term high volatility investments. Weather aside, it's baseball season. It is the home stretch of the NBA. I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. the old man who bets alongside my main man, Ant Latino. You know him as the odds fellow. Ant, not the usual backdrop today. What's going on? I, I ditched the memorabilia for a little uh, COVID-safe wedding. So we are live from the hotel, just living the dream. Live from the hotel, yeah. TMZ tells me that you had a couple adult beverages last night. Have you already had a bloody to get kind of back on the train? It's really the only way to get the juices flowing. Uh, it's how I hone in on the picks and the data, which we'll, we'll get to later. So all I can say is uh, a resounding yes. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, hot beers and cold bets. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's those cold beers and those hot bets this weekend. But we've got a good slate for you guys today. We're going straight into business. Hopefully the pleasure side of this, your two favorite uncles, of course, B and P, uh, will be coming out on the profit train this weekend. But we've got some picks uh, for the MLB. Of course, we've been kind of gradually riding into that wave uh, as data starts to, you know, really materialize. And it's the home stretch of the NBA. You know, Ant's been doing a lot of uh, NBA betting. I've kind of taken my foot off the gas uh, just with a lot of other sports, uh, you know, swirling around for lack of a better term. I try to stay a little focused, but we've got MLB, we've got NBA. Ant, where do we want to start? Well, let's start with that NBA. I think with the the home stretch coming, you mentioned it. Uh, surprisingly, we're only about a month away from the play in tourney which I couldn't believe looking at the calendar and starting to think about things. The trade deadline came and passed. That was back on March 25th. You know, these teams loaded up. You went, you had some that went into Tankapalooza mode, um, trying to get there for maybe Kate Cunningham, you know, maybe one of the, the brothers from USC who was ever going to be that number one overall projected. But I really couldn't believe, and, and I, I don't know if you, how closely you've been following it too, that that play in tourney is only a month away. So yeah, really what? Is it uh, the 18th, I want to say it starts? Yeah, 18th through the 21st. I think it's a three or four day window over that weekend, I guess the way the NBA did it. Uh, Luca, Doncic, Mark Cuban, not happy with the format, even though they signed off on it. And Mark Cuban was probably instrumental in putting it together, you know, months ago. Now now he's supporting his players, which which you love mm-hmm. to see. But uh, But it's an interesting format. And I don't know, you know, for the listeners, maybe just a little preview too on, on what you're battling here. There's a lot more teams in the mix, you know, historically eight, eight teams in the East, eight teams in the West, you know, they don't want to mess with, and I don't think they will for a long time with the Eastern Western conference, you know, you'll have some, you know, basketball enthusiasts and fans out there who say, kill the Western Eastern conference and just give me the 16 best, right. Or, or create some type of different seating structure that we get going. But what they are doing uh, this year, it's kind of a play off of what happened last year in the bubble, is they're opening it up to more teams. So mm-hmm. seven and eight, uh, when the regular season finish, will play each other, and the winner gets the seven seed. One and done, which is a crazy concept in, in you know NBA basketball. Even crazier if you compare that to the MLB. Mm-hmm. Then teams nine and ten play each other, and the winner plays the loser of the seven-eight matchup for a one-and-done game for the eighth seed. So you actually have four teams in the mix that are going to be battling. So what you have right now in the NBA, and it's one of my plays and why I'm wasting all this time giving you the background, is you have teams that want to stay in that top 10, right? They either want to get to the nine or 10 spot to lock it in, 
or ideally they can get to six, seven or eight, because that gives you a more favorable, you know, kind of uh, split. And, and going forward. Now your next and I'm in I'm in full sweat mode here, man. Yeah. My futures. I've got the the Warriors here sitting at nine play in. I've got them yes to make the playoffs. I've got the Hawks sitting at what fourth. So we're okay for now, but there's like two games in between right. them and in the play-in game. We've got the Pacers as a as a miss the playoffs. They're at nine, so they're gonna be in that play-in game. <laughs> the Blazers right now, again, like right in that four to six range. And then we've got the Wizards at no, and they've been like kind of percolating all of a sudden, you know, they're balling out. So <laughs> I'm hoping the playing game is either going to make me like the happiest. I'm either going to be passionate Mark Cuban or passionate playing game, depending on the outcome of, exactly. of this tournament. You might, uh, so you might be... have some good hedging opportunities in there, you know, because it's a one and done scenario. So, you know, the hedge is always tough when you're looking at a series or a series price, but one and done, man. Anything can happen any given Sunday, as they say in the NFL. Yeah, right? For sure, for sure. Anyway, I didn't mean to, to digress <laughs> no, there. No, I love I, it. I, I, love was, it. I was revisiting those picks, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, get the antiperspirant out. We're <laughs> before we go to bed and when we wake up. You well, know? <laughs> and, and I think one thing in your favor, just to touch on it with the Blazers, you know, they're sitting at six, but the Mavs are playing better. They're motivated to get out of that play in Torney that they hate so much. But what works in your favor is the Lakers uh, mm -hmm. sitting at the five spot. If you can get the Blazers to pass them, you know, right now they are still, I think, two or three games. I think it's two games in the loss column behind the Lakers mm -hmm. in that five spot. But no LeBron, no AD in sight, right? Do the Lakers keep sliding? Now, think about it from a sweat standpoint. You want to talk anti, you know, get the deodorant out, get the spray ready. It might be time for the axe. What's the NBA going to do if the Lakers slip into the play-in? Do you think That'd they want that risk, right? That'd you know, a 7-8 yeah. LeBron team that potentially loses two in a row, but... You know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. The other one I wanted to touch on was your Knicks. Mm -hmm. The good old New York Knickerbockers. They're kind of sitting secured at six, but a little bit of a free fall, you know, here in the second half. Any worry with them sliding into it? Right now, I think they're a game or two up on the heat in the seventh. Yeah, spot. I mean, we're five and five in the last 10. We've got a four-game winning streak here. This is a gritty team, man. I don't yeah. think we're ready for, you know, for a deep, deep run. But this defense plays. Uh, Barrett balls. Randall looks like the best point guard in the league. I mean, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. Right. You know, yeah, it's exactly. such a, such a turnaround that nobody was really expecting. Um, so I, don't I, was know, listening, I was listening to my guy, JJ after dark, uh, just moved over to the ringer. You know, he's dropping great podcasts over there from, you know, previously at WFAN and he's doing the, the caller voice, you know, voicemails and call-ins to kind of replicate the radio show. And there was one recently, it was a New York Knicks fan just complaining about being in this spot and like, what are we doing? I want Kate Cunningham. I got to get out of here. And like, I don't think you realize how many losses, how many bad lottery picks have already piled up? Like this is right for the culture, for you know, for the Knicks. You mm -hmm. you get in, even if it's in the play in tourney. I think it's a success. They're building a culture there, you know, which is much more important. Yeah, man. And talk about conflicted as a New York sports fan. You know, at the macro here, the Yankees blow. The Knicks are good. You know, what what universe did we walk into here in twenty twenty one? It's nineteen seventy We're led by Walt Clyde Fazer, Earl the Pearl Monroe, and maybe a little Dave DeBuschen. Yeah, swishing and dishing, shooting and computing, percolating, and I don't even know what rhymes with that. But shout out to Clyde, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so we'll dive into one of the plays. It's actually Friday night um to to look at the line is not out so again this is a little look ahead a little less data i'm still going to dig into that i'll probably be tweeting out some information about it so you know watch my feed at the odds fellow uh check that out to see where it finally lands if i'm playing it officially um but the look i'm i'm at is the bulls and the reason i brought up the play in tournament is the bulls are sitting comfortably and i say comfortably meaning they are hanging to a thread to the 10 spot in this playoff race but the bulls went 
all in to some degree, right? Another team trying to build a culture, trying to turn some things around, trying to put the L's in the past. Um, you know, this team since the the Derek Rose days, the Tom Tibbs days, hasn't done much, right? Uh, they've struggled. They've struggled at rebuilds. They've missed lottery picks. So sitting at the 10 on March 25th, they went ahead and they traded for Vooch, uh, Nikola Vucic from the Orlando Magic, a move that a lot of people, you know, applauded, uh, thought he would come in, fit well in that team, help stretch the floor for Zach Levine um, and really get them moving and kind of maybe out of that, you know, nine, 10 into seven, eight, maybe even six spot. What they've done since is go three and eight and not be able to put any of it together, right? Just how you drew it up, baby. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, right? Insert piece, and uh, I think they need a full-blown training camp. But Mm -hmm. a lot of this is blown, you know, fourth quarter leads, bad second halves, not being able to finish games. So there is a little hesitation on my part, uh, but I think it's a great buy low spot and a spot where you can look at the schedule scaling uh, or or rather the line scaling to see what's happening. So they play Friday night uh, at home against Memphis. Back earlier in the month, they lost to Memphis. Uh, Memphis was a minus two and a half favorite. They won 101 to 90 in this horrific stretch that we're talking about for the Bulls. So you have the Bulls three and eight in that last 11 since the trade deadline. They've lost the last four, including a dud uh, last night to the Orlando Magic, which was where Vooch came from. You thought they would have showed out a little bit more. I was actually on the Bulls first half uh, from a narrative standpoint. So I think if this line comes out to me and shows the Bulls favored, Uh, Obviously, you do expect to pick up some points off that two and a half because now they are at home. Um, But coming off that 11 point loss, right, if that line holds some strength and stays around either, you know, the Bulls favored or maybe the Bulls around the pick them. I think that's going to be a target for me. Um, Again, with the buy low, I don't think the Bulls are this bad. You know, the Grizzlies also a scrappy team. They hang in a lot of games. They play well. But give me the Bulls to finally start putting it together. Uh, turning it around at home, a little bit of a revenge spot here against Memphis, get this stretch moving, break the L4, get moving, get Vooch, Levine, and these guys going, and hopefully they can climb out uh, of that 10 spot a little bit and and start moving. So again, we got to watch the line. We always got to watch the injury reports, but just a little bit of a buy low for, for the Bulls that I think has some value. Yeah, man, and they should be percolating, right? I mean, they came off those three wins were all good wins. They beat the Nets, they beat the Pacers, and they yeah. beat the Raptors all by yeah, right in the middle of that plus. stretch. It was a little win three, and and the Nets one is a little deceiving because not everybody was in that lineup. Sure. But those other two teams are playoff teams too that you referenced, right? Indy and, mm-hmm. and Toronto. Toronto's in the 11 spot. That's who they're kind of fighting off here. So a good head-to-head win uh, for them. And I, I think it's just been a matter of finishing games and the consistency throughout. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can start putting it together and, and find a little bit more of those groove from those, you know, those three wins in the middle of that three and eight stretch. Yeah. And it really looks like there's just been one quarter that's really sunk them, you know, on the ninth year against the Hawks, 33 to 18 in the third quarter, the Timberwolves, the next night, yeah, that one was pretty fair. But yeah. the Grizzlies, same kind of thing. Fourth quarter, 31 to 16. And even last night versus the Magic, 39 to 19 in the third quarter. I don't know what's going Should on. Never happen. Room it Should never happen. I think maybe they're getting their uh, their oranges out for the halftime snack and maybe cramping up a little bit in the third quarter as they're trying to digest, just as I did as a U13 soccer player. But hey, who knows? I love the bounce back narrative. I, I think this line is going to be so telling, especially with them losing to the Grizzlies like two nights ago. So exactly. hopefully. Hopefully they'll be favored and we can ride to profit town. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that, and I think that's a little, you know, contradictory, contradictory might not be the right word, but the way we look at some of the baseball and the data, I think with the NBA, 
you know, I use it, but there's ways to throw it out, especially if these teams are playing in a stretch or you have the trade deadline shakeup. The Bulls are obviously a different team. So a lot of that, those stats from earlier in the year, you, you kind of have to look at the weighting differently. So you should be looking at those last 11 and how they've been playing with Booch in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, so some different things to think about. But again, watch the Twitter feed at the odds fellow. You'll see what we're doing there. That line is going to be telling and, and hopefully moves in our direction. And it, like I said, if the, if the Bulls are favored, I think it's going to be a, a strong play. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. That takes us to MLB. I've got a couple of two plays looking for here. And, you know, I think what I, you know, one, obviously we're ramping up slowly here. No data. I've been half units all season. Going to continue that through the weekend because for sure haven't found my stride yet, but using the same format that I've used in all other seasons, MLB has been one of my most profitable sports. So, so we will get there is, is kind of the, uh, the mantra. And, you know, I think it's normally ramp it up. um, I'm starting to ramp it up. Usually when I find a little bit of a hot streak, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like once data starts making sense with outcomes, I think is when when it starts to click. So that's generally about a month into the season, yeah. you know, three to four starts per individual. Um, you know, we get a kind of a good feel on if this pitcher is, was who he was last year and the year before, especially with 2020 shortened season. You know, how accurate, how statistically significant is, is the 2020 sample size? You know, who knows? We're figuring that out. But, you know, I've been looking at 2018, 2019 and 2020 to try to figure out kind of what the 2021 results of these pitchers um, is. And then, you know, so far with mixed results. But, you know, I think one thing that's super interesting just with us recording, you know, on a Thursday and looking ahead at games is we really need to visualize what we think the line is going to be to your point and then act on it and right. i did the exact opposite of that last weekend you know went on to talk with greg peterson of the baseball podcast with greg peterson shout him out obviously uh and had this honestly i thought a pretty awesome analysis of why i love the rockies they were playing against uh san francisco and i said specifically i need marquez at minus 135 or better to back up those stats what happens? He comes out at plus 110. I say, ah, he's a beast on the road. History is on his side. Not the line I wanted. A terrible line for the Rockies. I perceived it as value, you know, kind of. Give me some extra money. Head. Yeah. And what happens? They get blown the fuck out. So, uh, you know, a perfect time of trusting our analysis when we do it. And, you know, if, if Vegas doesn't give you what you want, you know, read the line it's like in a beautiful mind when what is it tom hanks is looking at all the numbers and they start popping out at him right you know that's what we got to do we can't be forcing place here but we're gonna need those graphics during this yeah time. yeah 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 video crew emily hook it up we <laughs> we need those 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 flying through here but i've got two spots i want to target uh, on saturday that's going to be the dodgers and the padres first five under as well as Sonny Gray on the Reds. Love the Reds this week. And Ann and I were, were bullshitting before this. I don't know if anybody of the listeners here have ever played Mario Golf uh, on N64 with the character Sonny. I believe he hits a 260 with a slight draw off the tee. Whenever he had a birdie or maybe a, even a par, he'd go, it's a sunny day. So here we're going. It's a Sonny Gray. And we're pumped about it. Let's start there, right? Sonny Gray, Love of course, it. this is his first start of the season. Uh, that's a little bit of a concern coming off some back injuries. but. I loved Sonny Gray when he was on the A's. I loved him even more when he was coming to the Yankees. Obviously, that broke my heart. He's been a member of my fantasy baseball team. The Triple X bong hit 69 for three to four years on and off. Um, and, you know, I think it's just worth calling out that the Yankees quite literally broke Sonny Gray. If you look at 2017, not with the Yankees, he's got a 3-5 ERA. 
55% fastballs. That is key. Zero percent cutters in terms of this pitch be- pitch breakdown. You look at the Yankees, right? The Yankees have the least amount of fastballs thrown in the league with the highest velocity. So fewer fastballs, more gas. They use the fastball as a strikeout pitch, not a setup pitch. Sonny Gray uses his fastball as a setup pitch and then hits you with his slider, hits you with his curveball. So we look at 2018 with Sonny Gray and the Yankees, the worst career, worst season of his career, a 4-9 ERA. Again, a worst career by almost by a mile, by more than like a point and a half. What happened there? 20% reduction of his fastball, 35%, and a 20% increase into cutters, and he was mediocre. Naturally, traded to the Reds in 2019. He posts his career best, a 2.87 ERA with a 3.65 XFIP. Uh, of course, you guessed it, his fastball usage way up, back to 50%. So anyway, coming into the, 2021. You get the pitchers, no DH maybe a little weaker, you know, lineups, mm-hmm. it, that, but still a tough division that, that he went over to right in the NL central uh, leaving the AL East, but those Yankee years were lean and tough to watch. And, and it was, it pained me to, to follow, you know, Sonny Gray post that trade and the Reds dominance. Cause it was fun to watch, you know, as a baseball fan, tough to watch as a Yankees fan. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But anyway, we're back to backing Sonny here. Of course we don't have a line yet, but Sonny Gray, uh, you know, I'm looking at his matchup stats here. They're very, very good against this Cleveland Indians lineup, uh, opposing batting average, 167 opponent weighted on base percentage, 225. That's far below the league average of, of, of 320, uh, which obviously is a good sign. ISO isolated power here also, uh, below the league average, league average around 120, 0.079. Uh, so he's not giving up too many extra base hits, not giving up too much home runs. Uh, and his FIP, fielding independent of pitching, once again, ERA, but with league average outcomes of balls in play, takes away some of the variance, takes away bad fielding, et cetera, 2.97. So really, really strong stats here uh, against this Cleveland lineup coming off a career year. You know, you love to see that. And I think I love the the first five here um, more so than game one. I don't want to trust any bullpens just yet. Not sure who's going to be throwing when, uh, you know, bullpen, obviously uh, ERAs, FIPs, et cetera, not statistically significant. And there's so much more variance there, but looking at Cleveland, they're dead last in the league in first five runs per game at 1.36. And, you know, you might say again, well, Jeff, you've been waxing poetic about small sample size. This could regress. You look at 2020, they were 26th in the league in first five runs per game. So this is not new. So the, the matchup here of, of Sonny Gray versus this Cleveland Indians lineup, I think is very, very telling. And of course, we need to look at the other side of the hump, right? We've got Tristan McKenzie, a hot shot young gun from Cleveland. He's got no matchup stats against this red team, so that's okay. He was lights out as a rookie, 3.24 ERA with a 3.6 XFIP, you know, indicating a slight overperformance. Uh, but nonetheless, two starts this year, very different results than what we saw in 2020. Um, the magic has potentially worn away. It's got a four, seven ERA with a 4.42 expected FIP. So perhaps he should regress to the best, but we look at these two starts start one. They're very, very different, essentially flat inverses of each other, a two, four ERA in his first start here with a 5.57 X FIP indicating that he got pretty lucky. He got out of some jams. He pitched uh, the outcome of his pitching was better than how he actually pitched game two. We see the inverse of that. He had a 6.75 ERA with a 3.37 XFIP. So the outcome was way worse than how he actually pitched. But there was a common thread through both of these, and that's his walks. He had four walks and 3.2 innings in game one and two walks and four innings, which isn't good. His uh, his strike percentage has also been mediocre, 31.3% in that first start, 40% in the second. So 
with a career walk rate here over three, 3.29, control has been something he's struggled with. His his K per nine rates are obviously astronomically high because he has so much movement, because he has good stuff. But if you don't have control over it, you could be in for a long day. Pair that with the fact that Cincinnati this year is number five in the least amount of strikeouts per game. They're showing great plate discipline. I think this is going to be a tough, a tough spot for our, our guy, Tristan. So I'm looking for a Reds first five here. I'm also considering an Indians first five team total under, depending on what that is. I think that's going to have to be pretty low for me to get there. Reds first five probably will look for a run line, a minus a, minus a half, uh, because I do think Sonny's going to be a pretty big favorite here. I would expect north of, of minus 180. Um, and that's obviously a lot of juice delay, especially a guy in his first start. But I do think there'll be value uh, value on, on this Reds team, even with a pretty big line. I think they'll be able to stifle uh, this Indians offense, which hasn't needed much to be stifled so far this season. They're anemic. This is like they're allergic to putting the ball in play. I was going to say, tough tough to watch. Speaking of the old Sunny Gray days, that Indians offense, uh, tough to watch. No Lindor in, in that lineup. You look through the names a little bit, and I have a – close friend who's an Indians fan and I was giving him some giving him some shit when the Indians cost me some money earlier in the year and he said sorry we're putting out a triple-a lineup um so it, it you know there's there's obviously some pros in there um but not what we're used to you know the Indians of the last few years it's definitely a, a different looking team yeah exactly and and one other quick play here um looking at the Dodgers and the Padres first five under this is going to be super this is the low. showdown man the, the absolute the, showdown you know looking at the the standings I, I forgot that the Dodgers are 10 and 2 like they are wrecking teams again because I remember those two losses I think were clustered so I thought they were starting a little bit slower Padres the probably one of the teams that hopefully can keep up with them you know are are, are doing well at eight and five but that's like pedestrian compared to these Dodgers yeah, so man. I mean, it for sure month. feels like the the Dodgers are just a cut above in terms yeah. of the rotation loaded, every batter loaded. Um, you know, I think it's them versus the field at this point, which will be interesting. But I'm looking for the first five under here. You know, cool. even with Slam Diego and and the bats for for the Dodgers, you know, doing doing pretty well. You know, this is Kershaw versus you Darvish. This is two of the best pitchers in the league, and, and I'm willing to ride that, assuming that the total is probably going to be below four, below three and a half. You know, go low. We're going to go lower. We're going to take that under. But looking at some quick matchup stats here. Uh, you know, versus the lineups, Kershaw weighted on base percentage, 272 Darvish, uh, 0.077, both below league average of 320. That's a good sign. ISO here, a kind of measure of a pitter's raw power tells you how often they get, uh, extra base hits. 140s league average. Kershaw is a little bit above that here at 0.152, but Darvish at 0.000. So that's pretty good, obviously. Um, if Kershaw can, I think, avoid the long ball, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, and the Padres haven't hit that many home runs so far, right. especially with Ted Tease out. You know, they're sputtering along a little bit. Uh, I don't have any FIP matchup data yet. That wasn't available on baseballsavant.com. But, you know, looking at 2019, 2020, 2021 stats, you know, not much that you guys don't already know here. These are elite, elite stats. Kershaw with a 3.03 in 2019, uh, which actually was his worst ERA since 2008, his first season in the league. And his FI, XFIP there was 3.5, which was his worst expected FIP since 2010. So people were kind of speculating, you know, I think he was coming off injuries. Velocity was down a little bit. You know, this could be the end of Clayton Kershaw, 2020. Yeah, the, the, the postseason struggles, right? They couldn't, they, mm-hmm. they kept knocking on the door. The Dodgers couldn't break through. Was that finally breaking him, you know, as a, as a leader of that team? Yep. And then 2020, he uh, he said, shush to all the haters. 2.16 ERA, 3.05 expected FIP. Any sign of regression in 2019 was, again, thrown right. up straight into the trash. In 2020, he's been... 
2021, excuse me, exactly where we need him to be. Two and one so far. He was rocking his first start, but that was at Colorado where plenty of pitchers struggle. Since then, he's got he's got a 2.89 ERA, 3.16 expected FIP. So all very, very good. And a couple other stats, Ant, that I do think are worth noting. Through three games, he's got a 65% left on base uh, percentage. His career average is just under 80%. He's at over uh, 80% four out of his last five seasons. So I think that should come up. Obviously, less or more people left on base, less runs allowed. That tells a good story for the first five under. Um, and, you know, his velocity is down 1% or one mile per hour from last year, but it's also on par from where he was in 2018 to 2019. Uh, so I think maybe he's just not stretched out. I'm not too concerned about that. Anyway, moving to the other side of the ball, we got Darvish here picking up where he left off last year. 2019, you know, 3.98 ERA. 2020, you know, obviously one of the best pitchers in the league with a 2.01 ERA, 2.82 expected FIP. Those are some elite numbers. And, you know, he was obviously celebrated as ish. And, and in 2021 here, we're somewhere in the middle of both of those. 3.06 ERA, 3.65 expected FIP. Still very, very good. Um, so, you know, I, I think the only real concern here for this under is going to be hitting. The Dodgers have been mashing first five. They're 3.42 runs per first five innings, number three in the league, and just about on par where they were last year at 3.31 runs. But the counterpoint to that, of course, something that makes me love it, the Dodgers are also number one in the league in limiting opponents in the first five with 0.92, which is a crazy stat. Of course, that's a small sample size. Of course, that'll get worse, but the Padres are number 18 in first five runs per game right now. The bats have been slow. If there's a get right spot for the Padres, I do not think it is this Saturday. So what are we betting here? The line should be small under four is going to be the target for the first five here. I think anything higher, you know, we'll actually take the over here. I think that could be a stat that maybe that ISO stat on Kershaw 0.152 is significant and slam Diego will hit some home runs, but anything under that I think is going to be good. I think there also could be a lean towards the full game under Probably will be around seven and a half. Anything higher than eight, I think, would be an over. But eight or seven and a half, I'm looking for the under. Uh, and both of these bullpens are, are very good. The Padres are number two in terms of bullpen ERA at 2.08. And, and the Dodgers are right there at 11th with 3.74. So I prefer the first five, again, to limit any of that variance on the under. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm looking for hopefully zero. Well, well one nothing final would be pretty nice with that run go. coming in, you know, maybe top eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, then you'll get creative and start saying, when do I bet live bet the over, you know, and then you'll really, really screw yourself up. Or something. Yeah. Live bet over that. one and a half. And, yeah. uh, they strand three in the bottom nine. Exactly. So it'll exactly. be, it'll be perfect. But yeah, but another great thing too, with those, you know, those first five angles on either a team total or a total is if you're got that read on the starting pitcher and they can limit times through the lineup, mm-hmm. right. That's less exposure, you know, less pitch count, you know, you know, that you're avoiding hopefully that third turn, uh, of the lineup for these guys getting to see more of your pitches or you wearing down. So, you know, hopefully uh, both Kershaw and Darvish, uh, two studs, especially, you know, turning around stuff the last year and into this year um, can kind of limit some of that, uh, that churn come out hot, get you a few, you know, first couple of innings moving quickly. And then, you know, you lock in and enjoy the first five. Three up, three down, baby. No whammies. We'll see That's how right. it is. Anyway, yeah, bring us home here, baby. That's it. I get to go put on the tux. Look for some uh, some some sweet picks later. See how I clean up. This beard will be gone. The glasses, which make me far more intelligent, will be off. But you guys enjoy your great weekend. Follow us on Twitter at the Old Man Who Bets at the Odds Fellow. Get these winners. Cash those tickets.
That's a wrap. That was short-term high volatility investments with your main man, She's a.k.a. the old man who bets, and Aunt Latino, the odds fellow. Find us every week at 1.37 p.m. where we're talking about short-term high volatility investments, giving you the data and the picks to hopefully profit over the weekend. See you next week. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports.